So this morning, I'm going to be continuing on the theme that Pastor Steve introduced last week about desiring the presence of God. And the verse that I'm going to be focusing on today is Matthew 6, 33, which I'm sure you all know it, but I'm going to read it out anyway. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And through this scripture, Jesus is just encouraging us and well, commanding us to trust in God and seek first the kingdom. And the good news is for us that when God asks us to seek him, he doesn't hide from us. He makes it easy for us to find him. It says that he's as close as breath and that he tells us that when we draw near to him, that he will draw near to us. And actually, he's calling us into his presence, isn't he? You know, the God of the universe waits on us to come into his presence. That's incredible, isn't it? Do you not find that humbling? The God of the universe waits for me and for you to come into his presence. So the word seek, I'm sure we've got a pretty good idea of what that means. But just to put the inner context around this scripture of what seek actually means, I'll read out the, the dictionary definition. It is to pursue and keep on pursuing without stopping. And it means to earnestly look for with the expectation to find it. Now I know some people go off looking for things. I call it a man look in our house, so I can't find it. And then I look and I find it. But actually, we're all called to seek God and his kingdom and we will all find it if we go seeking it. (laughs) Sorry, men. Women can also not look properly as well. (laughs) So for me, this also makes me think of the game of, of hide and seek. And actually, over the years, we've played it quite a lot. It ends up usually in chaos within the house. The um, the house generally gets trashed because Lauren is too small enough to fit in the dirty laundry basket, so we have to pull all that out, and that's only when I'm helping or get stuck up right at the top of the cupboard. But for me, there's not many places where that are quite unique that I can hide, so it gets a bit boring for me. <laughs> and actually, when the kids do find me, because they get so excited, they end up bundling on top of me, and it can be quite uncomfortable when you've got your face wedged against a bed frame and a radiator and there's two people lying on top of you laughing and then the dog's thinking, what's going on over there? And then she joins in as well. So it's not a particularly comfortable game for me. So on this particular day, it was Lauren's turn for counting. And what usually happens is you find somebody and then the first person you find has to then help you find all the other people. And I'd run out of ideas of where to hide. And I've got this big, like, grey fleece blanket. And I thought, right, I'm just going to do this and see if it works. And so I stuck the big fleece blanket over my head. And I literally stood right next to her as she was counting. And I was <laughs> chuckling to myself, thinking, she's just going to open up her eyes and see me. And, like, game over. Oh, never mind. I don't have to hide any longer. But that didn't happen. She did the countdown. Ready or not, here I come. And she just bolted off. And I was like... I'm literally standing right next to you. You can hear me breathing. And she could hear Cameron laughing because so, he could see what was happening from where he was hiding. Our garden isn't very big. Um, so, there, again, not many places to hide. So he was laughing. She found him, and he came over and said, look, Mum was standing right next to you. And then we all had a bit of a laugh, and I got jabbed a few times. For some reason, again, I'm the one who gets attacked during hide-and-seek. But in some ways, I think we can do that with God, can't we? We can run off trying to seek all these things that will give us purpose and give us security. But actually, the very one that we get all of those things in is literally right next to us. He is as close as breath. And um, in the same way that Cameron was laughing, sometimes I think the enemy laughs at us thinking, 
What on earth are they doing? These Christians say that they trust God, that everything that they need is in him, and yet they're running off trying to do life in their own strength. You know, it's, it's, not, a funny, it's not a funny thing, really, is it? So sorry to put a bit of dampener on that after the, um, the hide-and-seek game. But Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, I'm just going to unpack four areas today around that scripture to answer these four questions. So what is the kingdom? What happens when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? Why the enemy wants to stop us having a kingdom focus? And how do we feed our desire to seek God and his kingdom first? Okay, so firstly, what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom isn't a palace, it isn't a castle in the heavenly realm. It is God's redemptive rule and reign, and it's his governance over all creation. And his, it's about his righteousness, not about our own righteousness, because we know that we get our righteousness in Christ, don't we? And we are righteous in Christ by grace, through faith. And his kingdom establishes righteousness and it establishes peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we know in scripture there's just so many scriptures talking about the kingdom, isn't there? There's the kingdom of God, there's the kingdom of heaven, and we hear the kingdom is, is coming and the kingdom is here, which can be a little bit um, confusing because you think, well, is the kingdom here or is it coming? And the answer is that it is both, because the kingdom is Jesus personified. So Jesus brought the kingdom with him when he came to earth, and he restored us and redeemed us, didn't he, on on the cross. He restored us and redeemed us in his righteousness. And now as Christians, it's here in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, and so we are carriers of the kingdom. And of course, we know that The kingdom will come again when Jesus returns and fully establishes his kingdom on earth. And it's important that we don't just passively acknowledge the sovereign rule of God because we have a responsibility to respond to it. And I was actually speaking to dad about this the other day where he was talking about like the lords and the barons and and actually there was power in the statement when you knelt before a king or a queen you were basically saying that my life belongs to you you were giving your allegiance to that kingdom and actually they would be looking at the floor so they would be honoring the person that they were kneeling before but they'd also be exposing their necks which if they weren't deemed worthy they could off with their head they could chop chop their head off so it was quite it was a big deal to say that you had an allegiance to a king or a queen and now when we received Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we, we asked him to be our Lord and Saviour. We weren't forced into doing that. Like in history, you would actually have seen people who have basically said, you're going to die if you don't, if you don't um, swear your allegiance to me. Well, by not swearing allegiance to, to Jesus, it makes us spiritually dead. But actually, it's, it's a kingdom that brings us life. So there should be joy in joining that kingdom because we surrendered our lives to him. We're saying we trust him with our lives, aren't we, when we acknowledge his kingship and we become part of his kingdom. And actually, in history, we see where different kingdom alliances, people chopped and changed who they were going to side with based on whether or not they thought someone was going to be winning the war. But with us, we know that the war is already won, don't we? So if we're in allegiance with Jesus and with the kingdom of God, then we know that we're already on the winning side. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, that's basically a declaration 
of our loyalty to God and our commitment and desire to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we have a responsibility as citizens of heaven to then partner with God's will and overthrow the reign of the kingdom of darkness and anything that's associated with it. So when Jesus asks us to do something, he's asked us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's always, when Jesus says it, it's always within our in our interest to actually listen and respond to that. And if we say that we want to be like Jesus, if we want to be more Christ-like, then we need to walk in the way that he walked when he was on the earth. And we need to be doing the things that he did. So when we're asked to fix attention, our attention on the kingdom of God, it's not just for the really big things. It's not for when something's really got out of hand and oh, actually, now I need the kingdom to step in. It's for every single thing. It's a daily thing that we need to be doing, is seeking the kingdom. And it also doesn't say, but seek first the kingdom and then start focusing on all those other things. It's purely, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. And these things are highlighted earlier in Matthew six twenty-five, where it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So we've basically been assured of all of our basic human needs by God haven't we and that we should be trusting him as our provider and not worrying you know who I'm sure everyone in this place has experienced worry but has anyone ever experienced worry and actually seen that it's added any value because when I've worried that's definitely never been the case worry doesn't add anything beneficial it doesn't achieve anything and we really can't be affording to wasting our time and our energy on things that are temporal. We're supposed to be fixed on those things that are eternal. And actually, if we're really believing who God says he is, that we believe that he is the provider of our, and our source of joy as well, we need to let him be our provider. His name is Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. Now, within this generation, and I don't think this is a massive statement to make. I think this generation is very a very self-seeking generation. There is so much focus on celebrity. You've actually got a thing now where people can have a job being an influencer from not really doing very much other than wearing certain clothes or just having an opinion on something. But they're multimillionaires from being an influencer. And no, Cameron, that isn't going to be your job when you're... <laughs> When you're older, I don't need a mansion if that's what what you're going to have to do to get it. But really, the the very basic level of that is the desire for the praise of man, isn't it? The whole need for celebrity and to be liked. But you see these people, even when they're literally at the height of their celebrity, and everyone would think, wow, they're really successful. Look at all the money they've got. They've got all these cars. They've got all these people adoring them. They never actually seem to be fulfilled because there's always something more that they feel that they're missing. So I think people are looking at their lives and thinking that's what they want, but when they get there, that isn't actually what they really wanted. And I was listening to a worship song the other day, and the lyrics were that I am unfulfilled without communion. 
And that's obviously referencing the communion that we have with God, our Father. And having that intimate relationship with God is really important. And if we're as Christians not feeling fulfilled, because we know in communion with God we have that fulfillment, but if we're not feeling fulfilled as Christians, then we need to start thinking, are we in communion with God or are we more in communion with the things of this world? Or actually sometimes we find that we're flitting between the two because that's also a really uncomfortable place to be, isn't it? Because you've more or less got your foot in two kingdoms. But if we really do want to partner with God, if we really want to see his kingdom come in and through us, then we can't be having our foot in two kingdoms. We can't serve two kingdoms and we can't serve two masters because we're called to have undivided hearts. There are two kingdoms. Both of them are calling us in to be citizens, but one delights in chaos and the other one comes to establish peace. So they're both calling us out to be citizens but we can't serve two masters. And we know that Satan is the master of this fallen world, but he knows that his kingdom is nothing comparable to God's, and yet he rebels against it, doesn't he? And he wants to pull as many people as he can down in that rebellion. And it says that he prowls around seeking out for what he can kill, steal, and destroy. And he targets God's kids, he targets us in two key ways. Firstly, he tries to get us to question the sovereignty of God and his promises over our lives. And we know that he did that with Jesus. So, but even in his weakest physical state, Jesus had, he was strong in spirit. He knew God's truth. He knew God's word. And he was, he was able to fight off those attacks of the enemy. But he also tries it with us, which makes you think he's not particularly original in his tactics to try and, and get people because it's exactly the same thing that he tries to do to Jesus. But we need to be strong in spirit. We need to know what God's truth is. And secondly, he tries to attack our kingdom identity as a child of God. He doesn't want us to be walking in the righteousness that is, in our, that is our inheritance. He doesn't want us to be walking in that identity because there's an authority and a power that comes with that. And he's terrified of us realizing what our true kingdom identity is so how does he try and get us he tries to get us he tries to get to our hearts through our minds and that's why it's important that we guard ourselves against these attacks on our mind and that's what Romans 12 2 tells us it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God Now, consciously or unconsciously, we are permitting whoever speaks over our lives. We give authority for those things to be planted in our hearts. And that's why it's so important, like the word says, that we take thoughts captive, that we are committed to renewing our minds with God's truth, but also that we ask God to look at our hearts. There's anything that's not good and acceptable to him, we need to have that removed. And as part of that, we have got a responsibility to look at, to think about what we're looking at and what we're listening to because our eyes and our ears are gates to the soul. And in honesty, and this is something that I've been challenged at, if you can happily sit through, whether it be conversations or reading material or um, watching something on TV or listening to music that has got bad language in it, if it's violent, if it's... um, it's, if it's 
like pornography is one of the things, but if it's explicit in its content, then actually you're opening yourselves up to be compromised, and that's not what we want to be doing. Because we're constantly receiving information from so many different channels, and actually the enemy will be using some of those channels to try and get to us. So we need to be making sure that we're not being compromised. We need to be alert to the things that are trying to influence us. And actually, if the enemy can compromise us, he doesn't actually even have to kill us. He just needs us compromised because when we're compromised or if we're distracted, then we're basically taking ourselves out of being used fully by the Holy Spirit. And it says that we are supposed to be salt and light. Other people are looking at our lives. They're listening to what we accept. We're, they're looking at the things that we, that we watch and the things that we say. Um, so if our lives aren't looking any differently than anybody else in the world, then how are we being salt and light to those, those people? Salt's supposed to make things taste better. <laughs> and obviously light it's, it's something that we need in our lives to live, isn't it? We are supposed to be salt and light. And I was actually thinking about, uh, I bought one of those Himalayan salt lamps and actually how beautiful the, the glow that comes off of one of those salt lamps when there's light through it. We are called to be like that beautiful light. We are supposed to be salt and light to the world. And actually, we've got a mandate that we, we know that we are mandated to go and make, make disciples, but to make good disciples we need to make sure that we are good disciples ourselves. So are we representing the kingdom well with our lives or are we distracted and compromised? And we have a responsibility to make sure that we aren't falling into any of those traps that the enemy is setting up to stop us from running our race well. And the way that we do that is by making sure that we're completely in step with what the kingdom is doing and what the kingdom is saying and know that from there we have the source of everything that we need to succeed to run our race well. Now we look back over the last year and a bit and I can just picture that the enemy's been strutting around, puffing his, ch- his chest out a bit, very proud with the, the chaos that has been going on. But actually, as with every single trial, both kingdoms are looking to see how are the Christians going to respond. Because we know, don't we, that we are tested most of where our faith is when we're in a trial. And I think everybody has been tested over the last year and a half to actually see, really, what is your faith in? Um, and some people may have found that they responded in fear and they were completely tuned into what the world was saying. And there was others that just only wanted to say, I need to switch all of this off and I just need to be hearing from God of how to respond in this season. But then I think there's other people who probably bounced between the two of those as well. But basically, if our response isn't faith, then we're aware that our response wasn't faith, then we need to be investing in making sure that our response going forward is in faith. Our faith in God and, of course, looking to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. There's basically so many. I mean, I I went to a conference in America and it was just telling you all about fake news. Um, It was telling you about all the different deceptions, the power of a lie and how fast that can travel in comparison to the truth. So for us, we need to make sure that we have got 
a really clear focus. We need to be making sure that we are hearing from heaven and that's where we get our clarity from. And that way, even if something has the appearance of truth, if it's something that looks good, if it isn't of God, then we don't want to be part of it. So when we're completely tuned into what the kingdom is saying, we will be able to identify the difference between what is of God and what is counterfeit. There's a quote I heard recently that it's good, but it's not God. If it's not God, then I don't want it. So what happens when we get kingdom focused and seek his righteousness first? Well, we'll see the, the power of God manifest in our lives because we know in his presence that we're transformed. And actually, when we're transformed, that will change the way that we react to things. It changes the way that we speak, and it changes the way that we think, and it changes the things that we do. And so I've just written down 10 examples of what that looks like when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So number one, we are more passionate about seeing the will of God manifest in in and through our lives than we are about what we feel are our personal needs and desires and we go one step further than that we actually ask God to give us the desires of our heart because we know that he knows what's best for us number two we are led to repentance because our hearts are surrendered to God and we give him that access to shine a light on anything in our hearts and in our lives that is not good and acceptable to him number three we stop leaning on our own understanding And we start trusting God and have a greater joy and peace and confidence in his word. Number four, we are fully aware of our kingdom identity in Christ and the authority that we have been given because we see ourselves, our identity as we are righteousness of Christ. Number five, we see an increase in our desire to grow, to please God and walk in obedience because we want to see his kingdom come in and through our lives. Number six, our prayer life will be transformed. It will become a battle cry and it will be a battle cry that is led by the Holy Spirit. You know a difference when you're praying with the Holy Spirit than when you're praying in your own strength and it is powerful. Number seven, we'll be alert. We'll be like Gideon's soldiers who drank alert to any of the attacks or schemes of the enemy. And eight, we won't tolerate the associated things of the kingdom of darkness, and we will protect ourselves against being compromised. Number nine, we will put on the full armour of God and exercise our kingdom authority, declaring God's kingdom come on earth and seeing the, the kingdom of darkness being overthrown, overthrown, And it says in Matthew 10, 8, that we have received the power of the kingdom and we are to release it. And number 10, our lives will be a good example to others who are watching us. And people are watching us. Our children are watching us. You know, our friends and our family are watching us. Our work colleagues are watching us. There's people who are watching our lives. And all these things sound great, don't they? But it It all depends on how much you really desire to see these things happen in and through your life. And Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's a matter of the heart. We feed that what we desire the most. And I heard a a good quote recently on Prayer Storm. It said that you feed what you want to grow and you starve what you want to die. What you want to die. 
So we need to be, if we've got a desire to seek the kingdom and his righteousness, then we need to be feeding the spirit and starving the flesh. And there's four key ways that we can do that. And these aren't going to be new things because I know they get spoken about in every single message, every single podcast you may listen to. Um, Anything that you're reading will will come back to these four things that you can be doing if you want to feed your desire to seek God and his kingdom. Number one, we need to get consumed by his truth. We need to know his word, just like Jesus did. God's word was planted firmly in his heart. And just like Jesus did, when we know the truth of God, we'll be able to bat off any of the attacks of the enemy with God's truth, just like Jesus did. We need to be reading the Bible. Number two, we need to be committed to prayer and fasting. And the Bible says, when you pray, when you fast, there's an expectation that we're actually going to be doing these things. And, and just to chat, something I've been challenged on actually through fasting is that if we're removing things that keep us from God, then isn't there also a challenge that if we know those things keep us from God, should we definitely be reintroducing them back into our lives again? You know, if we know that we had to fast it in the first place, should we be cutting those things out permanently if we know that they keep us from him and his presence? And number three, be devoted to spend time in God's presence in praise, worship, and in stillness because he asks us to abide in him, doesn't he? And Psalm 27.4 says, One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, when we inquire, that means that we need to be listening. We want to be people who have ears that hear, don't we? We want to be people who don't just live off a second-hand revelation and experience of somebody else. We want to be receiving that revelation from God ourselves. And finally, we need to be disciplined um, all of these things require discipline. If we want to see God move in and through our lives, then we need to be prepared to sacrifice and we need to prepare to be disciplined. It says that our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, is our reasonable service. So it's the very least that we can do. And if we really do mean business, then we will get disciplined. And actually, it shouldn't be a massive shock to us that as disciples that discipline would actually come with the job title so that's basically what I've got to share today I hope that that has challenged you and encouraged you Um, it definitely did challenge me when I was preparing for it Um, but ultimately when we're seeking God his kingdom and his righteousness it's essential it's it's not a it's not an option optional extra is essential if we want God to use us if we want to be used effectively for his purposes and actually we see through Jesus's life and others who followed him just the power that can be released through a life that carries the kingdom well I want to be one of those people who carries the kingdom well no Jesus did what his father did he said what his father said he was close to the heart of the father and we need to be close to the heart of the Father too. And I just want to say, if there's any of these things that I've raised today, we think I need to get more disciplined in that area. I just want to encourage you, get alongside someone that you know is disciplined 
in that area, somebody that can come alongside you. Those iron sharpens iron relationships are just so important. And we know that we're encouraged in our faith, aren't we, when we're with like-minded people. And I just can picture within this place that if all of us just became completely unified in our in, in how we pursue the kingdom and his righteousness, just imagine what God could be doing through Haven't Family Church. It could be powerful. There'll be people taking notice. The community will start to notice. And wider will start to notice. And people will be looking at our lives. And want the, I think the news would even come and take notice of what is going on in that place. And it would be, co- be because we are carrying the kingdom well. So I'm just going to close in, in prayer now. And I just want to give a respons- uh, uh, an opportunity for responding. Because actually, to know the kingdom that I've spoken about, you need to know the king. The king of the kingdom. So let's just bow our heads. And if this is the first time that you say this prayer and that you meant it in your heart, then you can just stick your hand up and, and somebody will come and speak to you about the decision that you've just made. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for me and for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to receive you as my Lord and saviour that I want to make you Lord of my life this morning thank you God for sending your son thank you God and I just want to pray for all of us in in church this morning and for those who, who aren't here yet Lord God just give us a desire Just give us that desire in our hearts to seek you, your kingdom and your righteousness first in every situation. Lord God, may we not be people who are bogged down with the worries of the world, Lord God, fixed on things that are temporal, Lord God. We want to keep our focus fixed on you and that what is eternal. Yeah, Lord God, just help us. Holy Spirit, help us to be disciplined. Forgive us when we've run off and tried to do life in our own strength because we know that you are our provider. We know that you are the source of all joy. Yeah, Lord God, just give us a a fresh revelation. A fresh revelation. Help us, Holy Spirit, to not be compromised. Help us, Holy Spirit, every morning and every evening just to have our our hearts laid bare before God, that he can remove anything that is not good or acceptable to him. We want to have lives that honour you and carry your kingdom well. We want to have lives that catch the attention of those who are unsaved, Lord God. Catch the attention of those who have backslidden, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, we want to partner with heaven. We want to see the things of the kingdom of darkness cast down. 
We want to see your kingdom established on earth in and through us. Oh God, just be glorified. It says that one day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Let us be people that are doing that now, Lord God. Let it be the loudest shout of our lives, Lord. Let us just magnify who you are in and through our lives, Lord God. We want to bless you. We want our lives to be like that sweet aroma. We want to make you proud, God. We want to please you. Not because you force us to, Lord God, but because we're just so grateful. So grateful for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. And that you partner with us, Lord God. You call us to be co-laborers because we are co-heirs with Christ and we didn't have to do anything for it. Thank you for everything you've done, Lord. In Jesus' name.